Hi, I'm Brianne Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Quick reminder that I recently started a Patreon campaign, so if you've been enjoying the show and you have a couple bucks to spare, I'd be so, so grateful if you'd sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash noendinsight. Today, I'm talking to Hannah Forbes about IBS, endometriosis, Raynaud's, and PTSD. Before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure that you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms. So... Um, I like to start by asking people, how was your health as a kid? Mm. Well, I've always been a sick kid right from birth, actually. I had a, I was born with hip dysplasia. Okay. So I was in a, in a brace. So I had no cartilage. And we assume it's my right hip. The hospital actually threw out the records. Ooh, so, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to find those. But um, so I was in a brace. I've always had hip pain and I was always had stomach issues, allergies, seasonal allergies. So I've never been healthy. I was always in and out of the hospital. Um, <laughs> I could go on and on. I never actually got a di- a single diagnosis aside yeah. tonsillitis. Okay. <laughs> but I was like nine. Yeah, like a normal <laughs> a thing. One. Yeah, a normal thing until I was 11 and then it was IBS. And, that's, and I kept saying there's – because around that time, you know, I started to get menstrual problems and when I was 13, I I kept saying, there's a problem here. And then it turned into teenage years. And then it was as most teenagers, clinical depression, general anxiety. Um, And then just recently they realized, Oh, you have endometriosis. Okay. So yeah. And then I've also been diagnosed with uh, PTSD recently too, through medical trauma and, Mm-hmm. Uh, family abuse, we can get into that yeah. too. And then, uh, you know, there's hypotension, hyperreflexia, uh, what else? Secondary brain odds phenomenon, um, uh, adult onset ADHD. There's a lot. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. It's all, it, yeah, the last year has been an insane, because my health was gradually going down. Mm-hmm. And the last year, finally, a doctor listened to me saying, oh, this person not healthy. <laughs> Yeah, like you kind of hit that critical mass. Okay, so I want to like zoom in a little bit on the moments. So you said at 11, you were diagnosed with IBS. Is that right? Yes. So up until that point, you had been kind of in and out of the, excuse me, in and out of the doctor's office, but without any, like without it going anywhere. And were things, had things been kind of flaring on and off? So things also would appear to improve without an explanation because they were in a cycle? It's a, also, sometimes, I know you were young. You might not remember. Um, yeah, it was sometimes it would be cyclic, but a lot of times it was just gradual worsening as I got older. And then mm-hmm. we also realized I have anaphylactic allergies too. Mm. And they would have been normal, like severe intolerances, but because they were ignored for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're only mild anaphylactic. It's actually one of those kinds you don't need an EpiPen, which is kind of weird. Okay. And hopefully that's yeah. good news. If that, I don't know. Yeah, like who I knows? don't know. I have to carry one anyway. But yeah, yeah. That's that's what they think triggered the IBS. Okay. The yeah, the allergies there was yeah, and I guess that could so, yeah. That makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah. That like <laughs> your body didn't like the food, 
and your body yeah. slowly developed other issues. I'm not a doctor, obviously. I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Bad genetics in general, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So 11 diagnosed with IBS. And mm-hmm. it's also, even if, okay, right now you don't know about the endo, even if the endo didn't exist. Yeah. I've I've heard from other people, like, it's also true that menstruation makes IBS worse. Like, yes. they don't play together well anyway. No. <laughs> yeah. No debate or not. Yeah. Okay. So around that time, so kind of after first diagnosis, Mm -hmm. how was school going? Or like, how was your social life going? All that normal life stuff. Well, like I was always close to my family, but my mother, just very briefly, she was emotionally, or is emotionally abusive. So I was very overly dependent on her. I didn't have many friends, but those friends I still have now at Mm -hmm. 20. So I think just because we were so young when we were friends, so just kind of like a... Yeah, they stood the test of time. Yeah, they stood the test of time. Um, But I was always in and out of school. Some days I would, some years I would miss up to 40 days of school. Mm -hmm. But in general, I was actually an honors student all the way through. Okay, so doing well around the body and attendance stuff. Yeah, I got blessed with a really nice district. A lot of them are either family friends or a lot of teachers and stuff family friends and they're they're wonderful i still talk to them one of them is actually my boss right now so that's nice yeah that sounds yeah. like it would make a huge difference oh yeah um okay and so so yes yeah, so you're doing well and it sounds like your school district didn't have like a truancy policy or they were able to make accommodations for missing school because i know some yeah. some people you yeah. will end up with like even that young problems with their mm-hmm. grades just because they're not at school, even if it's explained. Well, it's funny because with me, I was always a student. My teachers would try to withhold the homework because I'd be out for like two or three weeks. And I'm like, I'm bored. I'm in the hospital. Give me something to do. Yeah. That's what I was always like. Yeah. It's funny, like depending on what's yeah. up with your body, when your brain is working, being sick is yeah. very boring. Yeah. The mental illness didn't show up then. It came later. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that so that's kind of how things were starting. And then mm-hmm. and then talk me through what was the process like for the rest of it? Were new symptoms showing up or you were just able to identify um, them better as you got older? It honestly it was a crash. It it just I was out of school for five weeks at one point and that's when they think that the endo showed up when the allergies became anaphylactic with when the depression, the anxiety, when everything just hit the ground. Yeah. And nobody knew up. what was going on. Yeah. And it was just always IBS. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was anything else. Yeah. They're like, we've given you a diagnosis. So whatever yeah. happens to your body, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, so, and you said, you had said 13 was that next turning point. So that's like the beginning of yeah. high school kind of? Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. But I less school and then I started working uh too so um, I'm actually in my old workplace right now nice um <laughs> yeah so I think what was the question I also have memory problems <laughs> yeah, that, too <laughs> yeah that's okay that's like super super common for everybody so we're like, yeah. oh brain fog I forgot exactly what I was saying yeah um, I, I was just kind of asking, like, was it around the time that you started high oh, school? Yeah, that this yeah. kicked up a level. Yeah, it did kick up a level, but I missed less school then, too, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. And you started working, you were saying. You were working part-time, Yeah, I started working. I um, 
No, I actually, up until last year, I would work 40-hour weeks from Ooh. the time I was about 14 to wow. uh, almost 20. Yeah. That is a lot <laughs> on your body. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. It's a lot. And at the library, I I can tell since you just said you're at your workplace. So what were you um, old workplace, yeah. doing yeah, then? I, I was just a page, um, and then also I would uh, – I was a tutor too. Mm-hmm. So it was a mix of different things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just moving books around or then helping kids. Um, sometimes I would go into a child care. Like a, I used to work at a YMCA too, mm-hmm. various departments. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so how was that with everything going on with your body? Um, I got – blessed with really really nice bosses they were always super accommodating if I need to be in the office for a day they were fine and then when I worked at the YMCA my boss he actually had uh, ulcerative colitis because I don't I'm actually unemployed at the moment mm-hmm. um, so he had ulcerative colitis so he completely understood uh, that whole thing and around so after I graduated high school that's when another crash happened okay so he was very understanding when I had to leave there yeah when you're like I just can't like physically do it yeah yeah and so also as all of this is unfolding Mm -hmm. and every I think everything that you've named so far like doesn't have necessarily one straightforward Mm -hmm. treatment option right there's a few different things that may or may not help kind of so what was that part like it was just, you know, they relied on uh, immunology injections. Um, it was a lot of holistic stuff for a lot of years. They didn't know what was going on, chiropractic, physical therapy. Then I also started developing joint pain, too, mm-hmm. and uh, massive fatigue issues, too, to the point where I couldn't stay awake for six, seven hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And luckily, though, I had a car, so I would just go and sleep in the car for a while. But... So they actually think now that's fibromyalgia, which is a not straightforward disease in itself either. And they put right. everything else on top of it. Yeah. Right. It's so hard with all, like all of these things, I would say, with a lot yeah. of mental health stuff, with a lot of syndromes, with fibro yeah. and ME, where it's like, it, it's just as possible that one day there will be a medical breakthrough where they find something that explains everything all at once yeah. or that it will turn out that there are like 10 different explanations happening at the same time yep. and you're just unlucky. Like, yeah. that's where we're at with medicine right now. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, like that's that's fresh. Um, yeah, so, so some – and what mm-hmm. with like holistic stuff you mentioned, did you find anything that did make a difference on your quality of life? Mm, not really (laughs) yeah uh magnesium supplements are magical that's about all i can give yeah and what does that help for you it's like muscle stuff um yeah it helps ease my muscle spasms and then it helps me sleep better too yeah because i also have disrupted sleep cycles yeah yeah it's uh right in there with everything else oh yeah Um, So you were working a lot and navigating all of this and still in school, it sounds like. Still in school. Yeah. Wow. That's stamina. Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably resulted in my second crash once I was second or third crash once I uh, left high school. At the end of high school. Because at that time, too, I ended up going up to like 50 hours a week, too, before college started. And then I was also in a new relationship, too. So that did a help. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to do everything. I Yeah, why not? I have also been like that. 
I was yeah. I was just at a wedding in the town where I went to college, which is strange. But and my my husband was there with me, and I was just talking about it. And I was like, yeah, this one semester, these are the four different jobs that I worked. He was like, wait, when did were you also going to class? Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Yep. Sometimes you just want to do everything, just, and you make you it just work. Do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and then mixed in with all of this, because you've also mentioned mm-hmm. uh, the mental health stuff. So were you, mm-hmm. I guess there's, again, different options, like trying medication or therapy or um, <laughs> anything else? My, well, my mother was is very anti-medicine, which is mm. weird for a disabled person. Yep. So I actually was never on antidepressants until recently, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm preparing to move to an apartment. Mm-hmm. So never on them till recently yeah. um the pressure the to ch- avoid them is really strong i think in the culture yeah. and especially when people in your family are like you don't need yeah, them exactly. you just need sunlight and exercise or whatever yeah yep so there was that and then there's also the ptsd so due to medical trauma and everything because i've had a few really horrible scares especially the past couple of months um but other than that it's it was always sort of like a no, I don't have depression until I, I don't know, hit like college or something. I was like, oh wait, never mind, I do. <laughs> the anxiety I always knew I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is like I mean, so many people when you're navigating this physical health crisis mm-hmm. and there aren't good explanations and you don't know how to predict what your body is going to do, like mm-hmm. it is so understandable that these things would become comorbid that they would kind of all be occurring in one situation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So then college, it sounds like. College. How was that? Or how has that been? Well, uh, the first semester was really hard because everything was, my health was falling to pieces. I was still working 40 hours a week. And at the, my, so that was my ex-boyfriend and I, we were fighting and just what you do after a relationship. Uh, we're good friends now, but I, you know, he's going to watch us. I apologize for mentioning him. <laughs> You're like, there <laughs> but, were some um, tense times. There were some tense times, mostly on my fault because of the PTSD. I didn't know what was happening with my body. I was really scared. Yeah. And he, he was a saint. He, he just let me do whatever I needed to do. Um, but like classes wise, it was hard because that accessibility office, uh, at the time didn't believe my illnesses because the director didn't believe my illnesses. Okay. So that was hard. Yeah, but I got lucky enough with teachers who and professors who are, are like, okay, yeah, we're all chronically ill too. We get it. Okay. Um. So you were so, kind of able to get informal accommodations, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um. But this coming year, it, there's a new accessibility director, and everybody knows what's going on. So we're all we're all good now it's going to be okay and then i'm also there for fewer classes too which is that that finally got approved yeah and so it's just the go ahead oh no i was gonna say it's just the one hour commute that's the problem but yeah it'll change soon (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh yeah you're moving yeah i believe yeah so what even if they're informal what accommodations Mm -hmm. have been the most helpful for you and work at work too um Work, I never really had any. It was mostly just, like, the ability to leave without penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then make up days, too, without penalty. And then a nice one is, because uh, I also have something called morning nausea. I've always had it. Um, 
which is different than morning sickness. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> sure, and sure. So, sounds similar. Sounds similar is not. I am not pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unrelated. So being able to, you know, be at work or be at school at 10 or 11 in the morning instead of at 7 or 8. Mm-hmm. So that's the most important accommodation, too. And then I'm working right now to get a... a handicap license which should help tremendously too yeah like for parking and everything yeah yep. yeah yeah and then and you also mentioned ibs i know a lot of people who mm-hmm. i've spoken to who have say crohn's i think i've actually mm-hmm. i've spoken to a bunch of people with crohn's and nobody with uc but one of the things that <laughs> many of them have talked about is even just being able to go to the bathroom whenever you need to which can yeah. be a big problem in like academic environments or yeah, it can. a lot of work environments they don't you have like fixed bathroom breaks or whatever it's really weird yeah Yeah, I've luckily never run into a work environment or a school environment where they're like no you have to be in a certain uh a lot of times yeah I don't understand why some places have trying to mandate it it's weird yeah it's unnecessary um okay and so then you said the last year has been particularly Mm -hmm. I'll say tumultuous it sounded like yeah so I finally got into rheumatologist because my GP at the time didn't, that was also a problem. My GP didn't believe any of my symptoms. Yeah. Um. So I switched gastros and she, and she goes, no, here are the specialists you need to go to. So she forced that. Thank God. Um. And this rheumatologist, she's supposed to be number one in my area. And she goes, you have a localized uh, systematic scleroderma, which I don't know if you know that. It's an autoimmune disease where the collagen in your body gradually hardens, becomes scar tissue, and it's a really high death rate. You're not expected to live long. And she's like, you will probably be dead by June. Jesus. That's a really great bedside manner. Yeah, all because I had an ulcer because my Renaud's was completely out of control. Okay. And I went to a scleroderma expert. He goes, don't even have autoimmune antibodies. Like, you've never even had them. Yeah. It's incredibly rare to have autoimmune disease without those antibodies. Yeah, without showing up on any blood tests or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I always have blood tests, so. Yeah, you would have known. (laughs) Exactly. So I don't see her anymore. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I see him. Yeah, okay. So this guy, who was he also a rheumatologist, but who had specialized in scleroderma? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But the good news is, is that that caused me to realize, okay, I need to get out of this situ- home situation. I need to, uh, this was when Max boyfriend and I, I, out of all people, you know, call him at midnight and we're just good friends now. Um, and then a couple other people in, in the family who I didn't have a good relationship with, like, I think I'm going to die. Can you, you know? be there for me yeah and then it turns out oh I'm not okay yeah you're like that might have seemed dramatic but it's literally what someone told me so yeah what yeah. what do you do with that information yeah of course exactly which oh. also that got me to therapy too which is nice and on antidepressants and mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so kind of this like moment of life yeah. life-threatening misdiagnosis also like changed a lot in your mindset it sounds like it it did yeah yeah Yeah, it just made me realize okay I can't wait for anything right now because I might not be here next year yeah 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 that's huge I'm sorry that that doctor was so (laughs) awful but Uh, or and 
it sounds like since that doctor, you've had some better experiences. But man, like, oh I just yeah, definitely. Can't believe this stuff happens. Yeah, after <sighs> twenty years of not having a almost a single answer to all of a sudden having this barrage of doctors and tests, and then that happens, yeah. and then it's just what? Yeah. 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 That's seems like a what is an appropriate response. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So, okay. So, and then I also just want to think about this from like the diagnostic perspective mm-hmm. again. So IBS early and then some of the mental yep. health diagnoses while you were in, while you were in high school or you, you know that now um, and you're looking back. I'm not exactly sure because they would take them off and put them on yeah. over the years. Yeah. Depending yeah, on who you saw and what they believed in. Yeah. But so, yep. so then I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering is like, what tests had you mm-hmm. had done previously or not very many, it sounds like. It's okay. I know there might be a lot. Versus, like, what are they looking at now, or what have they been looking at recently? Well, recently, it's you know they're realizing, oh, it's probably endometriosis, so I have to have a laparoscopy. But I met with this a specialist, and she's just like, it runs in your family, so you probably have it. Yeah, it's incredibly um, likely. Yep. And then I've done multiple MRIs. They haven't done a spinal tap. I'm really shocked about that. Mm-hmm. Um blood draw always multiple HIDA scans um I'm trying to think what else uh the fibromyalgia test which is getting stabbed with a pin in various places yeah like fun. poking your spots yep. <laughs> yep and then um they also do a Renaud's test which I didn't realize is a thing where they change the temperature uh to drastically hot to drastically cold in the doctor's uh in the office and they watch how your skin reacts. Ah. It's great. Another way to do it, they do it, is putting ice cubes on it or running your hands through hot water. Mm-hmm. And it's to look for the like discoloration, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. That I sounds... know it's absolutely disgusting. That sounds very so uncomfortable. I, it's very uncomfortable. Um, so now going forward, I have to have a laparoscopy, mm-hmm. another MRI for uh, my brain, and then a. Uh, what else do I have to do? Oh, an echocardiogram just to make sure the heart's okay, but mm-hmm. they're pretty sure it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just had an echo and it's an ultrasound, so it's like very fine and mm-hmm. gentle. And then have you had one before? I might have. I don't remember. Okay. So I never had. And what I learned that I did not know mm-hmm. is what for me was at least the last stage of the echo was like incredibly painful because they're Oh, really? They're like, they have to get un- like underneath. So they're like taking the wand oh. or whatever it is oh, um, at the base of your sternum. Sorry, I'm not trying to scare you. This is for no, everybody no, no. else listening because I didn't know. And it's, it's yeah, like, I think I have one. Yeah, it's like between the base of your yeah. ribs under your sternum and they're trying to like get at an angle. And I was like, oh, I don't oh. know what's under there, but it does not like being poked at all. So, oh, geez. It's fine and it's fast, but like. Mm-hmm. It's important to know without getting scared, Yeah, I think, to yeah. everybody else. But I don't mean it like, yeah. be worried, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like ultrasounds for stomach and everything are far more worse. Yeah, you I have bet. to drink so much water. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or you have to drink stuff yeah. and hold it. Or sometimes you have to drink other gross mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It's all yeah. fun, right? <laughs> oh, it's great. <laughs> Diagnostic testing. Yes. Um, okay. So, so anyway... So you've been going through like all of that mm-hmm. and you're cutting your course load down at school a little yeah. bit, which sounds like a good idea. 
Yes, it is. And I also have, I'm a classics major, so it's one of the toughest majors. It's like a lot so of reading. So cutting that down helps. Oh my God. Yeah. In different languages, it's great. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And so we're caught up to the present, basically. So mm-hmm. how, as you've been going through all of this and navigating mm-hmm. medicine, actually one, you're in the States, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so how has insurance worked for you? Well, I'm incredibly lucky. My school has a basic insurance because it's a private college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for all of this, I only have to pay for a doctor's visits. Mm-hmm. I don't have to pay for anything else. Okay. So I got incredibly lucky. Um, before college, still good insurance. Um, but I went and been able to afford um, My father was kind of blunt and he goes, yeah, you probably would have had to drop out of school and it, it really, we probably would have had to go to a homeless shelter. That's how, That's how expensive, uh, it is. expensive it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's unreal sometimes with this kind yeah. of stuff where you're like, how am I supposed to work if I can't get good medical care? And how am I supposed to pay exactly. for medical care if I can't work? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so for you in your life right now, which is like school and about to be moving and going to the doctors, yep. um, what... What works for you? Like, how do you, what are you doing that makes your life mm-hmm. functional? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I've, I've, I used to work at a gym and I used to be a varsity athlete too, on top of all of this. So I still work out just at a much milder level. So that's always nice. Um, and then I do, you know, I have my Instagram where I just, it started out talking about books, it started talking about chronic illness, and now it's just whatever the hell I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, why not? And then I've been trying for the past few years, I've gotten a few publications here and there in different literary magazines. So I've been trying to do that. It's a slow process as mm-hmm. it is for everybody. Yeah. Um, slower for me too, because I have such limited energy every day, yeah. but I'm working at it. So that's basically it. I just started working again, just working for an old teacher of mine at, at my old high school. So that's nice. It's just a very simple it's a predictable routine at the moment. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keeping a routine. And then it sounds like finding ways for like expression and advocacy, yeah. however that looks. Yeah. 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 And I'm excited to hear that. Hopefully you have a good like disability <laughs> services director at the school coming yeah. up. Uh. Yeah. That should be so nice. Uh, she actually told me, she's like a lot of the stuff that he was doing, um, was denying students uh, um, accommodations that they rightfully had. Yeah. So, and she said, you're not the first student. She, she's like, you're the 40th or 50th student that this has happened to. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, it's yeah. So, like, I understand why it's complicated it's for old institutions that have never yeah. had to think about this before. I understand that implementation will take time and like intention, yeah. but having mm-hmm. someone just telling everybody to suck it up is not <laughs> the answer. Yeah. Probably. And at a private college, you would expect more of them, too. Yeah. No, I guess not. <laughs> right. You're like, this I don't blame them, though, at all. It's yeah. It's frustrating. Um, yeah. And then I just had another question. That Oh, I was going to say. And how, because you mentioned family a little bit. Like, how, <laughs> as you've been going through this and learning more about it, how has that impacted relationships? <laughs> Especially as a teenager, right? Like, when you want to yeah. be going out and doing normal things and can't always. Yeah, well, I've, I've mentioned, I've talked about my mother here and there, so I was always very isolated, but luckily, I have, my friends recently, they have said, 
uh, we always knew something was not right at home. We just never knew how to approach it, sure. and we wanted you to wait. And then we figured we'd get it in time, and we and they did. Um, but once I did, really, once I got a car and a license, is when I was able to go out more. Mm-hmm. And so, like, friends was always fine, but family was always. It was a weird mix of you're absolutely fine, nothing's wrong with you, or you know you should not even go for a walk because you'll get kidnapped and you can't defend yourself. It was a very strange um, relationship, oftentimes from the same people. It varied from day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was even weirder, too, because chronic illness and autoimmune disease run rampant in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I just happened to get almost all of them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and um, it's always really weird because on one hand, like, I've gotten closer to various cousins who are also going through this, too, and then aunts and uncles, um, but it's weird because, like, my sister and I, we were very close growing up, and then now I'm not exactly sure what's with her what's going on. <laughs> she, I think it's just a matter of the sibling, she saw one sibling getting everything, and then she didn't, but didn't understand at the time uh what was actually happening so now as as adults both both of us are like realizing we had different lives sort of thing I relate to that very very strongly of like stuff when I was a kid when nobody thought about health as a factor but like I needed a lot of attention and even what I would now call accommodations but nobody nobody had that context for it and so when one kid needs a lot of accommodations but you don't realize that's what's happening exactly it it definitely looks like preferential treatment or unfair it does yeah yeah Yeah, because i can't go outside if the weather is below maybe 55 degrees because my renaud's is so bad even Mm -hmm. when it's controlled medication so there's one sibling having to stay indoors and cook dinner and the other one has to shovel three feet of snow because we live in new york right Yeah. (laughs) yeah And you're like, it's not that I'm just like a whiny baby. This is no, me, me 100% like defensively projecting. But yeah, it's that my body yeah. shuts down. And like, oh, yeah. Before we know how to explain that or the language for that or that it's even happening. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because the Renaz was actually one of those things that didn't have any warning signs. It just happened all of a sudden. Everything else was a gradual build. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, and that can be comorbid with so many things or like Yeah. It's another just like weird thing that happens that we don't really know why, probably. Yeah. And it's weird because it's one of the most common diseases too, Mm -hmm. and almost nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. And what's worse for me too is growing up, nobody could find answers. And then as this past six months really, all of a sudden I'm getting, Oh yeah, this relative has this, this relative has this. And I'm finding that a lot of it runs in my family, but nobody ever told me or never, nobody ever threw it out. Right. That's what I wrote. I'm sure many people have that same story too. Yeah. Because it runs in the family, but nobody talks to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when you're just having symptoms, nobody thinks to mention it. But when you Mm -hmm. say the word, they're like, oh, I've heard that word before. This this person also has that word. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I've had a critically low uh, hypotension, so blood sugar. For a number of years, they couldn't figure out what it was, and they, uh, my current GP diagnosed it within five minutes of looking at my file, and I mentioned it to 
one of my grandmothers and she goes oh yeah i have that i've had that since i was uh like 15 which is when it started for me yeah <laughs> why did anybody mention it yeah yeah like point us in that direction yeah yeah for sure and i think there's also like with some stuff Raynaud's is a really good example where i think there are some people who only have Raynaud's and it doesn't mm-hmm. really impact their quality of life at all yeah because if it's just yeah. like cold One hands finger. and feet yeah like mm-hmm. being cold is uncomfortable certainly but if it's only that and like you can see that your fingers are white but it doesn't yeah. really affect your life in any other way but when that yeah. happens it's like if you know someone like that first and then you meet someone who's like I can't go outside in the cold because it's so uncomfortable it yeah it like skews actually... people's expectations yeah, it's actually life-threatening for me. That's mm-hmm. how bad it is. Yep. Because I have five minutes to get out of the cold before I develop frostbite. And I have developed frostbite in the past, too. Yeah. Yeah. I have dead tissues on two of my toes and uh, three of my uh, fingers. Yeah. That's that's significant. That's really <laughs> that's different. That's really different yeah. from, like, weird party trick. My fingers are white, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so... That, yeah, family, man, it's so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's, I think it's, one thing that's really interesting that I'm slowly learning more about as I have mm-hmm. the brain power for is like, one, what it means for this stuff to come down in families. Like, maybe it's genetic, maybe it's environmental, mm-hmm. maybe it's something yeah. else. Um, and somebody, Meredith, who was on an episode that just came out, actually, she sent me a podcast. Oh, yeah. That, that I've listened to half of, and it's a it's like a therapy podcast, and it's an interview okay. with someone talking specifically about how it's called adverse childhood experiences. So like, okay. I heard of it. I actually need to watch it. Yeah. So like, it's it's yeah. about how ACEs or like childhood trauma basically correlates mm-hmm. with chronic illness. But the person who's yeah. who's talking about it is really careful to be like, I'm not saying mm-hmm. chronic illness is in your head, and that like because of trauma you're mentally ill and you know psychosomatic but just that all of these experiences impact our nervous system and Mm -hmm. that controls our immune system and our immune system can go haywire and like exactly how does this all kind of correlate basically i think if i had had no trauma besides medical trauma and then uh also had just a stable upbringing. People knew what the diseases were. Also, not working 40 or 50 hours a week from 14 onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a lot. I really do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> really do think that I would be in a lot better of a place and that disease onset might have started later in life because mm-hmm. it has been determined it would have started at some point. Right. But not at, you know, all ages, just things randomly happening and then a crash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, do you, I used to ask people this a lot, and I think I've forgotten mm-hmm. lately, but do you have a way that you explain it all to yourself, even if it's not really scientific? Like, the story that you have created to explain it to yourself? I think it's just, I got crappy genetics, yeah. and nobody in my family communicates. I think that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. Because environmental, it's so hard, because we live in such a polluted world, mm-hmm. it's so hard to go, oh, this is what caused it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I have plenty of fam- family members who are in the military, so I'm like, did something happen? Like, genetic? I have no idea. Yeah. Someone, this, I have no idea anything about this. Someone popped up on my Twitter feed recently who, mm-hmm. he, I think he's a veteran, and he was talking about, like, 
chemical exposures for people on some military bases because of like I want to say weapons testing or something again I Mm -hmm. nobody think of this as science that I am endorsing it was just like someone popped up talking about this I'm like oh this is just one more element that like makes sense for some people to explore but we're also all differently vulnerable like you know Mm -hmm. environment and genetics are still really related I think I, you know, I got really sick in a moldy house that I was living in with my husband and he did not get really sick. So Mm -hmm. like, did the mold cause the problem or did my genetics cause the problem? I think exactly. I think it was both. But I don't know. (laughs) One day, one day, maybe science will entangle all of that. Maybe. I don't know. But we're not there. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Maybe lower insulin prices and EpiPen prices first. Oh, my God. I know. I know there's so many there's so many places like in the way that the system works right now that I would love to see fixed more than I would love to see additional research into everything which I would also love to exactly yeah yes yeah yeah like if you as you're kind of doing a little bit of advocacy but also focusing Mm -hmm. on finishing school and getting good care (laughs) and everything else yeah um what are you most interested in or like what do you want to write about the most or focus on oh um ideally i'd want to wind up back in a library um and then i have been meaning just to start a youtube just to talk about life Mm -hmm. uh but that'll probably come once things are calmed down a little bit and then uh, since i have a classics major folk tales and myths i've always liked reinterpreting them Mm -hmm. um and poetry too i have a couple of poems published here and there mm-hmm. so i do like all of that stuff yeah so hopefully just what i've always said is i want to make enough in life money wise to be comfortable mm-hmm. i don't need to be rich i definitely don't need to be poor i've been there uh just enough to be comfortable and that's that's what it is yeah yeah and find out how to like take the best care of your body in oh yeah that's it. <laughs> yeah but I, I think that's part of it too of like there right now in our culture it kind of feels opposed of like oh well either either you want to like go out and have a heavy hitting Mm -hmm. career where you make lots of money and completely sacrifice your health or Mm -hmm. you want to prioritize taking care of your body and like let everything else and that's not necessarily a good thing but i feel like it's how things are right now i i've always said to I want a main, like a main job where I can leave it at the door and I don't have to think about it once I come home. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen uh, my father growing up, he's been in various high positions and it's always, he's always brought his work home with him. And same with my sister always has brought her work home with her um, brother-in-law too. So it's just, uh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> fair that's yeah because I used to work as when I was working full-time I was working as an Mm -hmm. editor and it's like on in online publications so stuff that needs like 24-hour turnaround constantly and as soon as anything gets in the way it's like cool you can take a nap now but if you nap now you're working later so there's no room there's no wiggle room at all and that's different than jobs where you can show up and even if sometimes Mm -hmm. you're like not firing on all cylinders you won't have to pay for that later, which can be yeah, real hard. Oh yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, um, and then so as you are like probably also just getting more involved in online communities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you learned anything about chronic illness that almost surprised you, or that you want that you wish that more people knew? Um, I think part of it is fatigue. 
I actually, because the fatigue was a new symptom of mine only two or three years ago, is that it's very common, even if it doesn't have a name, mm-hmm. just just to be tired is a thing. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And then I think, too, is not leaning on people around you as much actually going to a physical or a therapist in general. Like I think that's an important thing, too, is just remembering that they're not there as your therapist. Right. Everybody in your life. Yeah, there's a designated person that you pay to do that for you. Yeah, find somebody. And I think, yeah. like, that is true and Mm -hmm. it's like figuring out um the balance of making sure that you communicate with the people around you about what's actually going on because I think some some people will have the opposite instinct of like well I shouldn't tell my friends about my symptoms or my illnesses because it'll be too much for them and then they can't support you and it's like yeah that which a therapist can probably help with too is actually learning how to talk about it I I grew up with that mentality is and that that was ultimately the downfall of a, a lot of my uh, a lot of my mental crash too was I was always raised don't tell anybody mm-hmm. despite the fact like uh, teachers and that's about it yeah no like even family members didn't know yeah like yeah the full extent of what was going on mm-hmm. um and I realized when we were in them we didn't talk about them so you had kind of a couple mm-hmm. major crashes did anything specific yeah. help you recover from those or do you think it was just time and rest time and rest a lot of my stuff is it's not progressive is what they've realized mm-hmm. um so it's just it's cyclic i'll i know i'll have a crash probably every uh, like a major one now maybe about every five or seven years and that seems to be the pattern throughout life so i could anticipate it mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i feel like part of any flare cycle which i'm also bad at i think everyone is bad at it because we want to be optimistic but is getting more sensitive to like what does it look like when i start to get fatigued how can i start Mm -hmm. kind of babying myself a little bit earlier in the process even though it's hard and it doesn't like i don't want to i want to keep doing everything i've been doing but maybe if i I can accept it a little bit earlier then i can prevent it from bottoming out so much one thing I do a lot is, as much as I don't like it, I'll just lay it out. I might sleep, I might not, but that helps me a lot too. And doesn't mean I'm not doing something as well because iPhones are amazing. You can do everything on them. It's true. It's true. Yep. You can like yep. consume a lot Keep of information. Working. Yeah, while lying down. Yeah, exactly. So I think that helps too. Being mm-hmm. in the 21st century and having the iPhone there. Yeah. Because one of my grandmothers almost the same medical story as me and she was saying to me earlier today actually that she's like I had books that's what I had I'm like you guys had books too but she she was like now when I when I have a crash I have my iPad and it's so much easier than it was uh six years ago she's in her 80s right now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I because when I'm like kind of half napping when I need to do that I listen to audiobooks a lot like Mm -hmm. I, was, I never ever read a romance novel before I got sick, and now I listen to romance novel audiobooks all the time, because if you doze out, like, you lose, you know, you kind of fall half asleep and come back, you almost never miss anything, yeah. or you, they're so predictable that you can, you can always figure out what yeah. you missed, so that's what I do now, but it's like, those are days when I couldn't probably physically read, and I think about it, you yeah. know, before technology, you would also, you would need another person to read to you if... Oh, you wanted yeah. any form of 
entertainment or stimulus and like that's not immediately yeah. available well that's also why people have animals too i mean i have my three cats that are all over my instagram too yeah, yeah that's why people have animals is to pay sort of attention to them too while they're crashing yeah you're like just come and yeah. nap with me cat just we'll nap together it'll be so nice uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um and then is there anything about kind of all of it so your own experience with doctors or insurance or accommodations or what you know what you've learned and as you've gone through it that we haven't talked about yet today jeez I'm trying to think I know it's a huge question but <laughs> I don't I think we almost got everything I can't think of much much else that we did it yeah, no, it's okay. I feel like these conversations yeah. end up being very, very robust, but I know some people will have had like one or two things that they know they want to talk mm-hmm. about, and I just want to make sure that we cover those. Well, there is the fact that, you know, nothing's accessible. Yeah. <laughs> we can say that. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually uh, sitting a block away from my favorite restaurant, and they just uh, switched to paper straws, and I can't use, if it's cold water, I can't pick up a cup or anything. Oh, Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. And so the paper straws disintegrate. Luckily, the owner knows me. So if she's in there, I'd be like, hey, can I, can you get a plastic one from the back? Yeah. Like, give me the good stuff. Yeah. But it's weird because, like, you have to carry plastic straws. Or I've had this happen a lot too, where people think I'm taking drugs. And I've even had, like, police, uh, like the police around or security around, like, come to me and say, why are you taking XYZ and I have to like hold up my prescription bottle saying it's not narcotics. It's literally just a pain medication or something that will help me to survive to the end of the day. Yeah. That's always a very weird one too, is when people try to confront you. I, I also have a cane too. So like that is weird because I'm a very athletic person, but some days I have to use my cane. Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of people, it's similar to that people don't realize that ambulatory wheelchair users exist with every yeah. mobility aid. Like mobility isn't as fixed as healthy no. people think it is or as the media makes us think it is. It's like some days are fine. Yeah, exactly. Some days you need help. It doesn't mean well, you're faking it. In that show, I don't know if you know what or not, Blind Spot. No. It had a, it gets bad after season three. But anyway, um, they were really good about representation. And they had one character with cerebral palsy. And it was a mild case of cerebral palsy. But sometimes she had a cane and sometimes she didn't. It was never acknowledged. It was really nice just to see that representation. Yeah. And various characters would have stuff like that where sometimes it would be there, sometimes it wouldn't. Um, it dealt a lot with mental illness, too. Mm-hmm. And it would just, if it, like a character might have a panic attack, the other characters wouldn't make fun of them or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. And you don't see that very often. No. Yeah. That does sound amazing. Cause all of those things, yeah. it's like yeah. sometimes being chronically ill, like it's not always a crisis. A lot of it's actually really boring. It's just really it's boring, boring. <laughs> in a way that we don't see in media so we think it's unusual and it's not unusual yeah i mean i have two or three doctor's appointments a week but it's like maintenance it's physical therapy it's uh allergy shots or it's just i need to go get my blood drawn and i just drag somebody with me i'm like it's gonna be boring it's gonna take 20 30 minutes yeah 
Might as well get something else done while I'm here. Yeah, you're like, there's just a waiting yeah. period. The actual thing takes no time often. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Yeah, it's true. I've been in, I've been having more appointments than normal the last couple of weeks because I'm doing a new round mm-hmm. of diagnostic testing, which sounds like okay. what, your, what your year has kind of been like. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I do, I'm do. i so glad that I don't have this many appointments normally because it's all of my energy, like just going exactly. to all of this stuff to do these tests to make yep. sure I understand everything, that I follow up properly. Like that's my full-time job right now. Yeah, um, I mean, before I was talking, talking to you I was actually calling doctors because I'm switching doctors and trying to get files over to various ones and it's dif- difficult too because everything's a network now it's not private practices where you can say I need this transferred here it has to go through so many consent forms Ugh. yeah yeah <laughs> I mean I'm glad HIPAA laws are in place but at the same time they make life difficult <laughs> yeah well and like yeah now I don't remember the full details of this but so I read a book this year called The Digital Doctor and it's specifically okay. it was really interesting it's about like technology and medicine and how technology has impacted medicine and mm. there were a bunch of different sections but one of the sections was just specifically about um like online charts so patient portals and how they're keeping all of our information and yeah and the ways that first of all government funding have created just like weird Mm -hmm. incentives that these aren't working the way that we would want them to as patients um and two yeah the way that HIPAA laws like we're not designed for the digital age so no that's not to say that we all want our files to be publicly accessible or something but like yeah that HIPAA doesn't it didn't anticipate the world that we live in now, and that's really frustrating. No, I actually shut down my portal because I have nine specialists, and seven of them are through one network. Um, so I actually shut down the portal, and they asked why, and I said, "Do you see how many doctors I see in your network? Like it's too much, yeah. and I'm not comfortable with everything online." And well, so out of those seven doctors, six of them goes, "Oh, I hate." portal I shut mine down too yeah so they were the doctor yeah they're like it's just so aggravate like there's so much to it but this book was really interesting because yeah. I think it gave okay. it gave me like an understanding because it's written by a doctor um okay but it's it's not about like patients and symptoms and stuff so it totally mm-hmm. bypasses that it just talks about how doctors change doc- wow doctors mm-hmm. jobs have really changed with technology which makes sense yeah i imagine and he's yep. like here's the vision for the future that technology could create that i would love to see yep. and like here's what has actually happened where we're yeah. like bogged down and spent like a, just an outrageous amount of time just answering messages instead of spending time with patients or making sure that we yeah. write the right words down for insurance and like that's why when you go to a doctor, yeah. they're always staring at their laptop the whole time. Like, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's It was yep. informative as somebody who goes to see doctors regularly to be like, oh, okay. this is why this is happening. Um, But, yeah, patient portals are weird. Although they are. I will say my neurologist's office, they do not have one at all. And oh, that's so wonderful. It's, like, both good and bizarre because, literally, I probably have mm-hmm. one somewhere on this table. But every time they need to do follow-up, they, like, mail me handwritten notes. <laughs> so, like... I've gotten that, too. Yeah. So, just, like, yeah. about, about everything. There's... I'm not going to find anything out by email. I just have to wait for the post to arrive, and then I'll know what yeah. my neurologist wants me to do next. So, that's the opposite, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I live in a rural town. So it's difficult when, uh, like, insurance has to 
um, mail me or something like, I guess I'm waiting two weeks and I'll have to pay a late five. Yeah. That's just how it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 Every single one of my either authorizations or non-authorizations, excuse me, from my insurance company for a test or a procedure has (laughs) arrived after the test or procedure. Like, thank you. This is very yeah. helpful that you told me that you have approved or like agreed to pay for or declined to pay for something <laughs> that I already did. Like exactly, it's over now. Yeah. Um. So that's all the really fun junk of navigating <laughs> navigating healthcare, right? I know. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But we were talking about accessibility. Another thing about pa- oh, yeah. paper straws that you just mentioned is also that I guess I don't know how many of them, but some of them have gluten in the binding, like. Yeah. Whatever's gluing them. So, and a lot of people who are chronically ill are on gluten-free diets and the straws are not labeled as containing gluten. So that's just a bonus health risk. Yeah, I know. I mean, what I run into, because I actually have uh, a near anaphylactic allergy to lactose and dairy, uh, two separate things. Most people don't know that. (laughs) There you go for your viewers. Mm -hmm. Um, most medications are actually filled with lactose. It's one of the fillers. Mm. So I've uh, past couple of months they kept putting me on medications, and because I was so stressed, I didn't read the labels as I normally do. I end up having um, a reaction, and it partially shut down my my uh, intestinal tract for a while there. Ooh. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, very comfortable. <laughs> I, yeah, it was very uncomfortable, but I did. Luckily, they. You know, it was caught in time. I didn't have to do a feeding tube or anything like that. But it was it was a blast. Yeah, but everything slowed down, yeah. and it probably took a little while to figure out why, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of pain there and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's the fun stuff. That's the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then is there anything else just looking forward that you're still exploring or do you feel like you kind of know what's going on and you're figuring out how to manage it? I think it's getting doctors to agree what exactly is it fibromyalgia or is it uh, ME? That, that's really what it is right now. Is, it's, is it one of those two? I still have to get tested for Lyme by a Lyme specialist because mm-hmm. I live in New York. It's almost a routine thing for a lot of chronically ill people just to make sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah it's really just which one are they going to decide are they going to decide both yeah that's really what it is going forward i mean the rest of it they know how to manage Mm -hmm. um for the hypotension eat lots of salt twice the amount most people have to eat that's fun yeah uh the endo i'm on medication for that a couple other things it's just managing through you know unfortunately diet and exercise right Uh, we hear that all the time but it's true it does help yeah, and it's like learning yeah. learning with exercise what movements feel good for your body and don't cause crashes because that yeah. is a complicating factor for sure. Yeah. Tennis ball therapy for me, that helps where you put it on the pressure points mm-hmm. and then you just lay there. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing PT for my neck lately and I'm just at the stage mm-hmm. of PT that's almost entirely massage. So I just mm-hmm. get to go and have a massage twice a week. And I'm enjoying that. Yeah, I'm sure at some point, like I have exercises to do at home, but I'm sure at some point there will be more exercise involved. But right now it's quite nice. Yeah, that must be nice. Yeah. Yeah. And all three of those, like Emmy, Fibro, and Lyme are clinical diagnoses. And it kind of depends on who you see. 
It's like exactly, yeah. There, you you could find a doctor to diagnose you with each one of those, and it's like, yeah. Then the, well, the the real challenge begins of finding out what is most helpful for managing your specific exactly. Symptoms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the grandmother that I mentioned, she has all of those plus endometriosis and all the comorbidities that come with it. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, the endo, of course, at eighty something doesn't bug her anymore. Sure. But yeah. everything else, she'll she crashes and burns all the time. Mm-hmm. But she's learned to manage it. And I'm I'm just thinking, when I listened to her, like, what was it like in the fifties and the sixties? But they didn't even know what this was. Yeah, they and probably didn't have a name. All that. Stuff. No, that's what yeah. she said. She only got diagnosed in the eighties and then the nineties. That's the old, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I I just can't imagine being at that in the 40s and the 50s not knowing i can't imagine it at all yeah Hmm. yeah it's a whole other landscape i know yeah well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me Um, you're welcome i'm excited and to share just like your story and your perspective because that's the idea collecting all of it (laughs) all right Thank you for listening to episode 47 of No End in Sight. You can find Hannah on Instagram at unclassicreads, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BennisB. And of course, you can find this show on Instagram at no.n.in.site.pod. I've been posting each episode as a story, but I haven't posted to the main feed in a while because I'm so behind on transcripts, which obviously you know because I've been saying that for like four months, but it's still true. And I'm really excited to get a lot of progress made on those after my next week of overscheduling, which if you follow me on Twitter, you probably heard me complaining about my schedule this summer that I created for myself. Anyway, of course, the whole reason that I've started this Patreon account is to help with those transcripts so that I can outsource them and get them out on time. Uh, so I'll go ahead and plug that again. It's patreon.com slash no end Next week, I'll be talking to a guy with ME. So make sure you subscribe in your podcast app to find out when new episodes are available. And if you've been enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that new listeners know what to expect. As usual, don't forget that I have a small Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are also self-employed. It's quiet but growing, and really new people are jumping in, uh, I think, every week. So you'll even find a few podcast guests in the group and some other people to talk to about whatever you're up to. And finally, this podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. If you've got some fun fall patterns, oh, that wasn't if you, I've got, no question there, I've got some fun fall patterns in the shop and dozens of very simple icons that you can customize to your heart's delight. And I also am open to suggestions. I do want to make um, an active wheelchair user icon. And if there's anything else that is small and simple and you'd love to stitch it, I would be happy to make it and put it in the shop. Uh, I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.